Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, I, mean, I can't remember what I was going to do at the end of that. Boom! I didn't even hear the tick, tick, ticks, but maybe that's just me. Oh, some people may have just heard some silence and you saying, yeah, we're good, and then me going, yeah. Boom! That's why I said, yeah, we're good. I didn't realize you were, you were doing something. That's, look, I'm sorry, but, I, but maybe I'm glad that you could deduce that there were ticks because um, of the boom. I just realized tick tick boom is the noise that a bomb makes before it goes off and when it goes off which is I realized that, is like the entire point that's yeah <laughs> I was like what how did you miss this I, I didn't think about it one of the major themes of the movie that no, probably I the theme I am, of the of the I implicitly the got the metaphor I just didn't, didn't put two and two together that's true I don't know you never it's, does he say tick tick boom in the actual movie? Does Andrew Garfield say I wanna say if he does it's at the start tick, tick. where he's like he's like my heart keeps going like beating really fast and there's like a tick 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 boom kind of thing. But I don't know if he actually says that or if I'm just projecting that. I sat I'm like I can't find apparently it's him singing. Um, and he, yeah, and he filmed it straight after doing the eyes of Tammy Faye, but that's, um, about, that's about all I got. There you go. Yeah. Nothing about whether or not he says tick, tick, boom. But in case you haven't deduced yet, listeners, tick, uh, tick, tick, boom is what we are talking about today. That's right. So. Let's um, let's get on, get on it. Hell so, yeah. all right, how do we want to? How do we want to un- unpack this, Josh? So, you recently rewatched it, didn't you? I did, I did. So, I watched it a few. Oh gosh, it'd be like a couple of months ago now. A month ago, I don't really understand time. Time is no, just a, a month, concept. A month ago, I was in Perth. I was thinking, it was a month and a half ago I was in camera. I'm trying to remember timelines. It's just so confusing. Um, oh, particularly because Cass messaged me yesterday about the lemon spray. Thank you, Cass. Um, but, he, but I've left his, his response un, unread because he messaged me just after I got back from the shops. So I, I need to pick mm. it up again today. Um, but yes, so tick, tick, boom. What's our, give, let's give a, an elevator pitch. Um, I'm going to like make some elevator music and you have to summarize in 30 seconds. You ready? I'm going to yep. give you, I'm going to give you a five second countdown. We go four, three, two, one. Dun, dun, tick, tick, boom dun, is a movie musical. Dun, well, it started dun, as a musical by Jonathan Larson and it was adapted into a movie by Lin-Manuel Miranda. And it's a, kind of bio musical I would say it's adapted off events in Jonathan's life but slightly adapted for the ease of storytelling um, and it details his kind of struggles as an artist and the decisions that come with adulthood growing up people moving on yeah there we go I feel like that's pretty good <laughs> I had a lot of fun coming up with elevator music on this but um, it's because it's actually well, the the musical it's based off is written by Jonathan Larson. Yes, yes. It's yeah, his yeah, musical, yeah. And it's based so on it's his like, life. 
And this is the musical he wrote that was like his first successful musical, right? Uh, or, I would say like Rent was probably his his big. But this success. was before Rent. This yeah, was before so Rent, this right? was yeah. like this wasn't like a major success. I you know I, it was it was good and it, it did well, but I don't think it it wasn't like on Broadway. It wasn't like like it depends on what yeah. your definition of like successful is. Like yes, it sold tickets and it was a show, but it wasn't um, it wasn't like yeah. a success in hey, it's in a major it's got a major production sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because, I, because Tick, Tick, because, so the, 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 the film, well, Tick, 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 Boom, the story the film centers on him in the process of writing Superbia. Yes. Um, and Superbia, I don't think was ever actually like performed. No. Um, so like, yeah, it's Superbia was like a, a musical he wrote but yes never i don't know if anyone's done it since he passed away so it's it's an unproduced musical with book music and lyrics um i don't know if it's yeah i don't think it's if it's uh, unproduced then i would say no but i wonder if maybe someone's done a recording of it or i don't know maybe not yeah so i don't think it's like um yeah, it's ever been performed. And then Tick, Tick, Boom, um, like, I think comes out, is done before Rent or yes. maybe concurrent with Rent? Yeah. No, before so, before Rent. And then yeah. um, Rent was his last work and he yeah. died shortly after completing it. Like, I think he completed it, but then he didn't get to see it go on, yes. get onto Broadway. Yeah, yes. yeah. It's the, like, it's the, it's the classic story of the artist who struggles and then passes away and then they make it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's that, it's that stereotypical tale. Um, whatchamacallit. Um, but let's, let's, so that's kind of like the synopsis of what happens. My we want to start composition with the, lecturer. Sorry, just on this. This is a funny story. He said, go, go, always go. write every piece of music like it's your last because if you it is your last and you die, everyone will only listen to the last thing that you write. So you always want it to be really good because it'll get a bit of a boost, that last thing that you write. Um, I see, so, I see. So that was his advice in first year along with many other little little nuggets of wisdom. That's, 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 look, that's, that's not, not a bad. So you're saying we should make every podcast like it's our last podcast? I, I don't, yeah, every podcast is better than the last one. That is, that is true. That is our philosophy. Did I tell you that I've managed to, I, I was going to go for a run with someone this morning, but I was like, when we were organized, I was like, oh, actually I had to have to record a podcast that morning. So I don't know when I had to record, I had to record the pod that morning. So I don't know if I'll be free. And then they were like, wait, you record a podcast. So Alex Myhill, shout out if you're still listening after getting in on uh, one of our more recent episodes as a consequence of that conversation. This is the... None of the, uh, I don't think any of the freshers here necessarily know that I run a podcast. Um, but, you know, maybe Josh will start telling me to advertise it to them a bit more. Um, that, would, that would be grand. Anyway, so, we've, so, John, so it's just about the story of Jonathan Larson. Um, I suppose do we, we can talk about, it's one of those things where you, we could talk about the structure of the film, but the structure of the film is the same as the musical, Yeah. 
Uh, well, um, it, yes. So there were actually two versions of the musical. There was the ah. original, which Larson wrote um, yeah. and, and, and performed. And then um, after he died, someone kind of touched it up a little bit. Um, yeah. And this version is based on that one. So the touched up version, the touched up version. So, which just, um, uh, I think it adds the superbia song in the middle. So that song, um, the, it's, it's a duet in the, in the movie where, uh, sung by the, the girlfriend and, and the singer in the, in the, at the workshop. So, that song wasn't in the original. Oh, that, that was song, added yeah. in the second version to as a kind of reflection of um, the the girlfriend um, kind of yeah. having a having a bit more of a part. So um, yeah, yeah, which is interesting because yeah, I suppose that maybe shows that like ironically, like if she didn't have a, as much of a part in Larson's original story, that tells you about how Larson viewed her right which is reflective yeah. of the problems in the relationship right and yeah it's kind of like so the, maybe we get yeah the 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 wikipedia article that i was reading <laughs> was uh, it kind of said that the original um was more like kind of about the struggles of of the artist and that's kind of the override overriding theme which is definitely still present in the second version but the second version with the with the edits it makes the the, the story order and, and the songs it brings in um, turns it more into the consequences of choices um, and dealing with adulthood. So they're both, uh, which isn't as present in, in the original. So that's something that you get, I think, a bit more. And I think, as you say, that's kind of true when you have someone else go through your work and, and edit it. Like, obviously, yeah. Larson feels much more strongly about being the struggling artist because that's how he kind of views it. Um, and then letting someone else goes in, I would say probably makes it a bit stronger of a story because it's, 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 you're able to look at it a bit more broadly and say, Oh, here's some things that obviously like, I don't think Larson would have liked about like, you know, or, or wanted to put in, but probably does make it a stronger story overall. Yeah. And it's almost, um, it's this cool thing of, cause if you then think about the movie as well, right. The movie is cuts between, like live action, him living his life, and obviously the musical elements of that, but then also cuts to, um, and in some of the songs as well, cuts to like a theatre performance of Tick, Tick, Boom, yes. right? Like it cuts to like Andrew Garfield in a theatre with like people and like and these two singers um, being around him. And so what it is, it's almost this, because one of the interesting things about any form of literature and media is you have... Um, ref- you have people reflecting on it and critique of it, right? And it seems like this. Uh, I'm going. I'm going full film snob on this <laughs> now, and feel free to tell me I'm wrong if I'm wrong, right? It, like part of the process of literature is the critique and anal- analysis and understanding of it, right? As it's as it's read, and one of the things about this film is that like it's like the third step in that because you've got the first, you've got tick tick boom, right? The the original thing that Larson wrote and then you have the updated version of the musical where you have that person who added that song and changed the bit of the story a bit to like reflect on it a bit right so that's already having that reflective process and then you've got another layer on that where you've got the movie because then the movie is like doing 
is a movie is telling the story, but it's also showing a bit to this, the fact that there's a stage play. And so you've got like almost like three levels downs of um, not only the story, but active reflection on the story. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that I'm getting my head around the um, layers is High School Musical, the musical, the series. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. definitely that kind of vibe, yeah. Uh, I thought it was a really clever uh, narration technique where it's it's going, um, hey, it's like you're watching the musical, but then it's also like, actually, we're just going to show you this because it's not as interesting to just hear the kind of the dialogue between three people and watch it like it's, you know, it's it, this musical yeah. isn't a, a Hamilton or a something like that where you can get away with that. It's um, it definitely adds a lot to have the, the actual set pieces and um, kind of extend that disbelief from the, the theater into movies. And well, that just makes me think of another thing, which is that um, uh, there's a lot of talk with movie musicals because uh, your suspension of disbelief is lower when you're in a theater setting, but it's a lot higher during a movie. So this is why Cats was such a failure because when you're in a theater oh. watching Cats, you're like, yeah, that's fine. They're they're, they're cats, like that's that's cool. But when you're watching the movie, you're like, that's kind some... of messed up. That's like that's yeah. not right. <laughs> you can get away with sh- like shit or abstract concepts, shit or abstract uh, costumes on a theater like set because the whole point is it can't be perfect you have to use your imagination whereas the idea of a movie is it's meant to be what even if it's animated it's meant to be like this is what the visual of this place looks like so like when it's like you're essentially it's kind of like when you're reading a a book right you use your imagination right and movies can sometimes be striking because uh, movies about books are manifesting your imagination in a particular way and if you they don't do that in a way you like it's upsetting what was upsetting about cats is like having not seen it but like maybe what's going wrong there is having not seen it yeah yeah <laughs> is, i haven't seen it either like, but i mean i've seen um parts of it and i feel like if you've seen parts of it you're still welcome to critique it like <laughs> but this but this broader comment about musicals on theater as opposed to in a movie um is that like musicals are designed to being allow you to have a little bit of creative license and imagination with what they're trying to represent whereas in a movie you're not necessarily meant to have that as much and so it can take that away but i think like yeah you're right this film almost does play on that right you've got larson in the studio singing about it and then we cut to it actually happening yeah and it's also um it also means you kind of get uh what to Larson is clearly uh, Andrew Garfield's character, like, you know, probably not technically Larson, but but Jonathan Larson, um, reflecting on, on the event. So it's um, it's a really clever framing technique that you actually wouldn't get in the theatre because in the theatre you're kind of getting, you know, the, the having not seen the actual show, um, it looks like it's kind of almost a stand-up routine punctuated by um, song. You know, probably not as funny yeah. as a stand-up routine, but that's the kind of vibe. You know, he's got a microphone, he's walking around, he's telling a story, and there's there's songs in between that. Um, and so, I think what's really great is you can still have that kind of story as the narration, but then we're also jumping back to to almost the the flashbacks of of what he's talking about, and you get it kind of more live. Yeah, yeah, 
it's kind of like um I was about to say it's kind of like this particular drama show that I saw in um in year ten, but I realized that that's not particularly useful because it was like a one-off performance at like in this like in, in the sunken gardens. So it is was one from my year ten drama classes listening. So you know, um, yeah, lol. Um, <laughs> you talked about when they had that song. I've been freezing, haven't I? Because you're making faces like I've been freezing. Yep, yep, just a little bit. That's all right. Just a little bit. Um, but yeah, when they like mix the songs between the like the inner theater and the in the film is, I think it helps as well because we're talking about that sense of suspension of reality, right? I think it kind of helps getting that reminder because um, one of the things that's jarring about musicals is when they just break out into song um yeah 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 i think and maybe this is what you're getting at earlier but yeah when it's kind of jarring when someone breaks this out into song and so when you're reminded that this is a musical performed in the theater um it almost makes you get you feel jarred but then you're like oh that's right it's meant to be like this and so okay i'm happy now yeah and i think as well um they have fun with the with the with the with the songs. It's it's not it's it's not designed to make you go, this is um actually happening in real life. You're kind of watching it going, this is a fake version of, of this in a sense. It's it's a representation of, of real life events, but it's not actually that. And that leads to some really great moments like the um diner song, um where you know the stage the 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 front of the diner falls down and a and a and a um illuminated sign comes down from above and it's all kind of very silly and you're watching it and you're going this is not real life but like you know that it's not real life you know that's not actually meant to be real life that is the character singing like in that moment it's kind of what his emotions are in that moment yeah. and and that kind of makes it easier to watch because you you're not going why is this person randomly bursting into song? You're going, this is happening kind of in this character's mind, like his kind of memory of, of this situation. Yeah. I think that it does, it does also mean though you've got to like, you've got to like um, theatre. Like, like words. No, sorry. What was I trying to say? Um, I completely lost what my train of thought was. That's all right. It happens to all of us. Yeah. Gosh, I think I there's there's also say. some yeah, scenes you go where, on. Um, some scenes where the singing actually happens over the top of it, so it's the it's the sung version from the 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 theatre show over a, over a flashback, and I thought that was a really clever use as well. It's kind yeah. of it, 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 in a sense, I think this kind of feels less like a, a musical movie and more like a biopic um, a biopic that yeah. has music in it. You know, like the kind of um, the Queen yeah. one or the Elton John one that came out, you know, those are those are biopics, but they have a musical element because they're about musical people, and, and obviously they're going to have the songs and, and those moments in them. Um, that that kind of feels the same for this. It's a it's not so much that it's a musical; it's about this musical person, and obviously music is going to come through with how that story yeah. is being told. Yeah, yeah, I think like there's. You're right, the Rocket Man, the Elton John one is one that does that well because it's like um 
he's in therapy, right? And so, of course, the music is going to be like, it's about his perception. That, I mean, it's another film that's like kind of doing it in, I mean, I think uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, the Queen one, did that best when it was just literally like, it's going to them performing the songs and being them at concerts, right? So the music mm-hmm. naturally falls in. Also helps that it's Queen music, which is just, you know, like fantastic, <laughs> just right? Slaps, yeah. um, <laughs> just slaps. Whereas like the, um, the Elton John one, yeah, they like, it's interesting seeing the clever devices they have to like the, 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 El- the, the Elton John one being like, it's, it's all in his head, right? It's how these songs play on his head. And I think this one, because of the way they do it, it actually almost has a comedic effect in that it's dealing with like Tick Tick Boom is probably, and it'd be really interesting to see the original one. It's a, at the heart of the story, it's about an artist who struggles and dies before his success is realized and kind of his, um, and then the critique and analysis of that that we get from the updated version, particularly more of an influence with his girlfriend who I should actually look at her name um, before concert at uh, Susan. Um, and it's kind of this quite sad story about A, the artist failing, but B, also how he's kind of a, you get the secondary reading, which is like the struggling artist in the basement uh, takes it out on other people selfishly, right? Yeah. Um, yep. And that kind of reflection on that, um, which I think is like you don't get as much um necessarily um and yeah uh in the classic struggling artist in the basement thing right but then so it's quite a serious story but because they're kind of cutting between and you kind of get this cut breaking of the fourth I was like oh yeah by the way this is a musical you know um and just the nature of the music as well it's almost like a comedic take mm. or like a like a funny light-hearted take on quite a serious topic which means that like it's a film that's meant to be serious, but you don't ever feel a lot of the time. There's very few moments when you're like, this is really like, there are some bits. So like the, the, the HIV bits with, with Michael, his best friend, like that's handled like well. And that's like, you feel the seriousness then and there's moments with Susan, you feel the seriousness then. Right. Um, but a lot of the time they managed to undercut, the, not undercut the seriousness, they managed to balance the seriousness with humour. So you're not sad at the end. It's, a, it's fundamentally a sad story, but you're not sad for most of the film. Yeah, well, I think it's, it's kind of a, it's a representation of life in a sense. It's, you know, it, it's, there's all these great moments and then it, there's, you know, these, these punches, these, these, these sad things that happen and, and it's, uh, I think it's a real testament to the film that it that it is able to kind of weave between those moments really effectively and and tell the yeah. story that that goes, uh, yep, this is kind of what life is, you know. <laughs> like there's there's these good moments and there's also these sad moments and um, like that's 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 this life. Um, yeah. I wanted to to yeah. cut back to something you said about the the kind of critique on the um, selfish artist, which I think is really interesting in this movie because. This movie doesn't actually paint Larson as a good person, like at all. No, and I thought it was so interesting that um, you know the like the way they frame the movie with with the with the opening. At the opening, they they tell you, "Oh, this guy dies," like like before he sees any of his success and that sort of thing. And so, like when you watch the movie back with this, you go, "Oh, that's that's so sad." Like I think like 
the reason they've done that is to make you go, oh, that's so sad. Like the poor artist, like, you know, we know like his death is coming and and like that makes all this so sad. But if you're watching it in the moment, you're going, this guy doesn't know that he's going to die like randomly in like three years time. Like him actually singing about like a tick, tick, boom, like countdown in his head is actually just kind of ridiculous. <laughs> it's like he's, he's, he's still really young. Everyone tells him he's really young. He's got like a, a good thing on the way and he's, he's clearly in the moment actually singing a musical um and he kind of acts like a dick to his best friend and and all that and you kind of go well like outside of what we actually know he's not actually that portrayed as that good of a person i think that's a really interesting kind of um and honest take on life that i didn't actually expect from the film because i think with these sorts of films like it's very easy to be like this person was amazing and they were perfect in every single way or or not necessarily perfect but easy to shy away from from aspects of themselves that they could have been better at. I think it's because films inherently, right, you have them often if the film has a main character, because you see often what happens through their lens, you're, you tend to be biased towards them, right? Um, but the fact that we've essentially got a few different because we also have like the him living there and the ones him singing the musical we kind of have these two Jonathan Larson's, both played mm. by Garfield. Um, and so you don't necessarily like, it's because there's essentially two versions of him, you don't, it, it makes it easier to not like him, if that kind of makes sense. As like, it, yeah. I think it's the point is that more that like, it's, we're not meant to not like him, we're meant to think he's imperfect because he's human. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's the, and, um, and it's kind of a nice, because you're right, like there is that classic story of the struggling artist who lives in the base, basement um, and then like makes it big, but they're fundamentally like this great human being and why was the world ever rude to them? Like Larson was a dick at times, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, and like if that comes across really strongly and I think this is also part of, we talked about like how Susan has more of a role in this film than she did in his original play. Uh, and the very fact that she has more of a role probably tells you something about Larson. Um, but also part of her role functions in telling you that, yeah, he was kind of, he, like he was a bit of a dick, particularly to her. Um, yeah. And particularly, and, and, the, and the Michael storyline as well, I think is like, um, I'd be, I, like, I imagine that's also a big part of the play as well. And that's less, but that's like, that's something we haven't necessarily touched on as well, but it's just part of the, like it's a sad part of the reality for the queer community during that point of time. Yeah. Um, and I think it's un, like, I think it's function in the film. Um, it, I, I haven't thought this, like, I suppose the question I'm going to ask is what is its function in the film? I think it shows like it's, it shows like a, a really part, sad part of reality for a, like a, a discriminated against group within, within society at that point. Um, and it, um, like, it obviously, I think was kind of, it, it's not necessarily about Larson, mm. the Michael storyline, if that makes sense. It's just kind of like, yeah. it's, this is this horrible thing that's happening in the, in the background. And if anything, it, the only thing that it really matters to Larson is that it, like, it, by showing you how he reacts to it, it tells you a bit about him. Yeah. And I um, think as well, like for, 
I think I think the the function of it against Larson is that it's a um, it is a ticking clock for those people. Like you know, it's kind of yeah. a, a reflect. It's like you know the the reality versus what's just in Larson's head for himself. Um, you know, yeah. and, and that's that's one of the big um, uh, moments in the film is is his argument with Michael, Michael over yeah. that. Um, so. Um, like I think that's that's like the character level of it, um, but yeah, I think like that's why it's such an effective thing. Of it, it holds up like what Larson is actually saying, and it goes like you're you're actually kind of wrong here. Like it's it's not about you. Yeah, and that's one of those. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like it's Larson's behaving in this way, but then you've actually got someone in the real world who is literally having that. You know, someone who has that ticking clock. Yeah. Um, and um, and it accentuates, I think, Larson's selfishness in in that way. Um, and because, like, especially the, yeah. the the scene that like kind of clinches this is, um, you know, Larson's ticking clock is like, oh, I'm thirty and I haven't written this thing, and, and he's doing his workshop, and the and the phone keeps ringing, and the phone is. Um, Michael calling him to tell him this news and he's like no no no, I don't have time to like talk I'm like you know I'm on a deadline I've got to write all this I've got to write this song that that I have to that has to be at the workshop you know it's kind of that thing of like for him his ticking clock is I've got to have this thing ready and for Michael his ticking clock is I'm gonna I could very well die in you know however many like just a short Mm. time away um yeah so I think that's like like one of those, like just further evidence to, to that sort of thing. Um, yeah. But I think it yeah. was it was very like, you know, for me, I, I think I'm just more impressed that that is maintained in this film. You know, it's it's done by directed by Lin Manuel Miranda, his uh, film directorial debut. Um, really? What yeah. about um? Oh no, In the Heights. He wrote. He didn't direct In the Heights. The film. yeah, he didn't he direct the- it. So. Um, uh, the estate only wanted someone that like would do the musical justice. They were really worried that the, like whoever adapted the musical would do like a cat's like disaster level <laughs> kind of thing for it. And um, yeah. so the producer Disa- reached out to Lin-Manuel Miranda. Disaster is the word you're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Reached out to Lin-Manuel Miranda and said, Hey, like, you know, I think you'd be like really great at this. Like, yes, it's your first time, but like, you know, let's, I think you're, you're the right person for the job. Um, and I, I think Lin-Manuel Miranda's talked about, the influence of Larson on his work. And I mean, you can see it. Like I actually like watching this film, I was like, did they add any songs in? Because it's, it seems so much like um, Lin-Manuel Miranda's work, you know, like you kind of can yeah, see yeah. aspects of Hamilton in it and and that sort of yeah. thing. Um, but um, yeah, like I thought, you know, I was impressed that they, they kept that kind of quite honest critique of, of who he is, but, but, you know, it still serves a purpose and it still is kind of one of the core messages of the, of the, of the show. And I think it's quite incredible that they didn't kind of attempt to, to whitewash that and say, no, like he was, or yeah. yeah. It was, yeah, it's, it's, I think it was, yeah, it was, it was a surprisingly balanced take on someone's life in a biopic, Mm. you know, because you think back to those ones we were reflecting on, say like, I think, so Bohemian Rhapsody, well, that's interesting because Freddie Mercury's obviously like, well, I mean, Freddie Mercury's passed away and the Beatles have passed away. And then you've got Rocket Man, Elton John was part of writing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that of those three, like obviously the Beatles one was no critique on the Beatles, so we can't compare that. But I think like the, um, yeah, like I felt like this, this felt like almost more honest than those two, if that kind of mm-hmm. made, well, I don't, I don't know if that's fair to say Rocket Man. Um, I haven't seen Rocket like Man, I will admit. Um, but the, the Queen one, you know, you kind of watch it and it, and it feels like um, very hand-picked. And I feel like some of the, the um, surviving members of Queen have said, uh, because Freddie Mercury's kind of estate was involved in the, in the film, they were kind of like, no, it wasn't like, they were kind of like, it makes us look worse than, than what actually happened. And of course, like at that point, it's just, you know, two sides saying this happened, this happened, like, but it's kind of like, you know, I think. So in that sense, they had a harder go of it as well, because there's more people to kind of tell the story with and they have to kind of commit to yeah, whatever story yeah. they want to tell. Whereas here, you've just got one person's, um, not even like real story. It's their interpretation, you know, loosely based on real events story. So there's a bit more room to work with it. I, I think it's like, I think the difference was those ones. It's clearly like a, you, you do see flaws. So for example, Rocket Man, you definitely do see the flaws of Elton John. And like, and, but I think it's like, it's, it's a particular manu- manicured and stage managed mm. present presentation of those mm. flaws. Um, whereas, and I think that's because this film has the advantage of it's essentially the third version of this story that's been presented. Whereas Rocket Man and Bohemian Rhapsody is like a it's, a, it's a presentation of a history that a lot of people know and it is reflective. It's kind of like, it's, it's these are the bad things I've done, but this is where I've come from it. Whereas this is like, layers of analysis like it's that layered cake that we talked about like this is the this is the third layer and so the story that they tell is a bit more sophisticated not sophisticated but like it's a bit more complex um Mm. but yeah um what like how like the performance of the like do we want to talk about the individual performances in the film um uh we can i don't have any uh, Andrew Garfield kills it. Um, like he didn't. Um, I'm pretty sure that I read he did not have any singing or piano ability before this film, and so that was all like six weeks with the instructor, like a uh, two instructors mm. teaching him how to do that, um, which I think is is pretty awesome. Which is nuts, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like it's. I mean, it's just a part of just kind of this little rebirth he's having as an actor. I think. Mm. Um, yeah, like I think there's not a huge amount much more to say about that. Like he's like it was awesome, um, and it's quite impressive that he did this. Uh, like he learned all those skills that quickly, um, and yeah, I think also just like in general, like so Alexandra Ship played Susan. Uh, like I mean, like we could go through each of the characters; they all did it really well. I thought. But yeah, um, I mean, there's. Yeah, I, I don't have much to say on the characters. They're just all really good. Yeah, now. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, yeah. Um, like, and, and I think as well, like, uh, like outside of Andrew Garfield and Vanessa Hudgens, like, I didn't really know the other names, um, but I thought they they did really well. Um, like, you know, and I checked their Wikipedia pages, and I'm like, I don't recognize like anything else that you've you've yeah. done. But, but um, yeah, I thought I they, put the they Wikipedia did a really page good job. up in front of yeah, me, nice. which is why I have the names. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to make sure I get all the names right of the characters and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe we should take this towards an end there then. What other things do we want to talk about? Like, 
Uh, do you have any last thoughts or feelings about it? Um, I was also just just on the the production of the film itself was that it was really yeah, hampered yeah. by COVID. Um, so because mm. um, they kind of started it during the first lockdown, I think. Um, so they were doing uh, tick tick zooms. Um, Amazing. <laughs> um, and then um, uh, when they actually started recording, like they couldn't do any singing live on set. Um, and they actually got in trouble when, like, you know, Andrew Garfield just accidentally started singing um, a few things and then the COVID compliance person got them in trouble. And um, the apartment scene, this the second song, um, everyone had to isolate for 14 days, they quarantine for 14 days to shoot that one scene. Um, so, like, there's just all these kind of, like, ridiculous things that are going on in the background of, like, the kind of realities of making movies and that kind of... Um, you know, post lockdown, but not post pandemic sort of sort of phase that, um, like was probably at its worst, like like at that moment. Um, yeah, yeah. And so I think I when mean, you I, take I, all that on, it's kind of like uh, seriously impressive. Yeah, and I imagine that things like that that it'd be really interesting rewatching that scene, knowing that that party scene, for example, is not just like representative of those people in that time. Uh, like those because a lot of them are artists right there's like it's all like it's not it's not representative just of a bunch of artists in uh the 80s like meeting up for a party in um in the midst of all that was going on there it's also um a bunch of artists in the middle of a just of a a pandemic um producing their work and that and that's like a really interesting like other layer to it which I didn't know about um and I imagine that like someone will one day make a film about the making of Tick Tick Boom during a pandemic right because yeah, it's yeah. all about the artist's struggle <laughs> and there'll right? be four like, levels and it'll be a musical movie with four levels and then you see you cut to the another version of the <laughs> of each song that's over the top and then, yeah <laughs> recorded over zoom yeah <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And that film will actually have to be shot in space. And so then there'll be like a, another film, which is like all the layers will keep on going. Yeah, I didn't realize that all the difficulties they had filming this in the pandemic. That's really interesting. Okay. Mm. Dang, there you go. There you go. The more you know. Well, I think we should maybe wrap that up there. But um, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tick, I, tick. It's, it, oh, it's on Netflix, a Netflix original. So if you've got Netflix and you haven't seen it, um, definitely worth checking out. Oh, is, it a ne- is it a Netflix original? It is a Netflix. I'm pretty sure it's a Netflix production or maybe they just have distribution, but I'm pretty sure it's a Netflix huh. production. I had a limited theatrical street screening before streaming on Netflix. Didn't realize. The mm. more you know. Huh. Shook us to the core. And now I'm on Netflix's Wikipedia page. Um, But yeah, there you go. Tick, tick. Boom.